This is Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we head to the Mission District for the announcement of a building sale that ended a multi-year legal battle. There was a a dark point in this whole process where it looked like everything was going to fall apart, and I was saying to myself, you cannot lose this historic building for the Latino community in the Mission District. Not everyone is happy with the outcome, but community organizers pushed hard to make it happen. To be part of this community, you have to kind of make some sacrifices, and I think we all made sacrifices for this to happen. It was really about what the community wanted and deserved to have in this neighborhood. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. In mid-November, officials and nonprofit leaders showed up in the mission at 701 Alabama Street near 19th Street to announce the purchase of that property. It's part of a two-story L-shaped building that for decades was owned and operated by the Mission Language and Vocational School, where adult learners can go to learn the skills they need to land jobs as medical techs, caterers, and other trades. A few years back, the school was in financial dire straits. It leased part of the building to a tenant, who had the option, and exercised that option, to buy that part of the building and split it off. Now, the school has bought it back. And in the process of reversing a property deal over several years of tense court mediation, the school also underwent major changes to its leadership. Things got complicated, and we'll get to that. But first, let me give you a sense of why the Mission Language and Vocational School, MLVS, and this building matter so much to the Mission District's community groups. Hi, my name is Tracy Gallardo, and I am the MLVS board chair. So this building was founded by um, the Laborers 261, and so they wanted a place because they were not able to get Latinos or Spanish-speaking people into the union at the time. And so this place served as a place to um, provide English classes and industry language um, help, math, skills and it really served as a place where people came before they tried to get into the union and so this place was really geared towards helping people be ready to apply to be laborers. Um, From there it spun off to offer many other um, classes such as citizenship classes because once you're in the labor union As everyone knows, when you retire, if you retire as a citizen, you get more benefits than if you're a non-citizen. And so there was a lot of thought that went into how to help this Spanish-speaking immigrant community really get into the labor. And so it started with 261, and then it just expanded to other unions, and it expanded into different industries like the medical field, the hospitality industry, um, the administrative, bilingual secretaries. um, And I think that all of that time, it was also a place where community came together to organize And so there were several meetings with the MCO and Latino Democratic Club that all met here, here, and that's why it's referred to as the Mission City Hall. But in addition to that, there were these great dances that happened. Um, It was the first place I saw Brenton Wood. It was um, the UNI dances, the Gran Combo, um, all of these dances that for many in this community was the very first place they uh, attended a dance where they saw a group. And so they had these 
big dances. And so this whole place just came together as a place for community to celebrate, for community to become self-sufficient. And it just gave hope and affirmation that yes, we're here and that we're gonna support this community thriving into the future. And that's what we're doing. This is the legacy. Here's the reason why the city and several neighborhood organizations got involved to begin with. When the Mission Language and Vocational School hit financial dire straits around seven years ago, the school sought a tenant who would lease part of its building in order to bring in some money. They found one in a company called Huckleberry Friends. It's a company that works on clean energy technology, promoting science education for youth, and advanced manufacturing. Huckleberry moved in, signed a lease, and that lease also gave them the option to split off and buy the portion of the building they were renting if they wanted. Here's how Tracy Brown Gallardo on the board of the vocational school explains it. So MLVS, a few years ago, the community found out that the MLVS leadership had signed a contract um, with Huckleberry Friends that they would be able to um, purchase a portion, one third of the building. And so the community was very much against it. They wanted to save and protect the community asset for the mission and for the legacy um, of, of the programs to be able to continue here at MLVS. So we were, in we were entrenched in this mediation and negotiation to try to figure out how we could all come out winning. And of course, in these types of moments, there are no real winners and no, no real losers. I think we all win and we all lose with the way that the deal went down. Um, we asked first uh, Assemblyman David Chu to provide some mediation. We went through, um, I think it's called JAMS mediation several times to try to come to a number that was something that MLVS could afford and something that um, Huckleberry Friends felt compensated them for the investment that they had previously made. Um, at the time that the deal was signed, MLVS was struggling. They were in financial crisis. So at the time, it was the best deal for MLVS to enter into that contract. Why was it in such financial trouble? It was the time of the economic crisis, so Gavin Newsom was the then mayor. It was a time when programs were being cut, so a lot of the funding to MLVS had been cut. Um, foundations weren't really given as much as they used to in the past. It was not easy to get money, um, per se, and there was not, Meta at the time was not in a position to help build capacity. Um, they were just starting under new leadership as well, and so really it, it forced MLVS um, into survival mode, and I believe that's why they signed this really bad um, agreement, which led to um, our lawsuit because we actually pulled out of wanting to sell one-third or do condo conversion um, with our agency that signed which was Huckleberry Friends and so it was very a very long traumatic experience I think all sides felt overwhelmed and bad and horrible and cheated out of what happened all sorts of problems had come to light. Because of the school's financial difficulties, the tenant had actually agreed to co-sign a loan that the school took out, backed by the building. The school and the tenant, a business called Huckleberry Friends, operated by Saul Griffith, set up a joint account. 
When the school stopped making loan payments into that account, the bank went to Griffith because he was the cosigner. He agreed to foot the bill for one payment to stave off foreclosure, but ended up paying rent as well as hundreds of thousands of dollars towards his landlord's loan. The school said the situation caught them unawares. Then more trouble developed. The school's director died in 2015, and eventually some of its other leaders expressed doubts about the deal. Griffith, whose lease included that option for him to split off and buy a portion of the building, had started the process of separating his portion. But the school wasn't cooperating. In July of 2016, Griffith sued for the money he was owed and over the school's delaying his ability to separate and buy part of the building. In 2017, news came out about the conflict. And other community groups weren't happy that part of the building could be sold, particularly given its historical significance. There was a big community meeting between the vocational school's leadership and other organizations and activists. They convinced the school to back out of the binding agreement to sell part of its property. But in early 2018, the sale did happen. A third of the MLVS building was sold to Griffith for $3 million. Only instead of being separate buildings, both entities were now tenants in common in one property. Griffith, who'd been trying to separate from the school, successfully requested to reopen the case in March of last year. The remedy he proposed was for the whole building to be sold and the proceeds to be divided between the parties. Court records indicate that the referee, a retired judge with the power to decide the case, was considering this possibility. Fast forward to last week. The legal dispute has now been settled, but not by selling off the building. MLVS formed a consortium with three other nonprofits and bought back Griffith's interest in the building for $4.75 million plus $700,000 in damages. Griffith is deeply unhappy with the result. He says he lost at least half a million dollars on the settlement in legal fees and estimates the loss is more like several million if damage to his business is included. He also would have preferred to be able to continue to own and operate his business out of the property, which he had sunk millions into through upgrades. But he says he felt threatened and didn't want to continue what had already become a lengthy legal battle. He wrote in an email, quote, My wife and I simply could not afford to continue fighting this fight, so we relinquished and sold the property at a significant loss, end quote. For the Mission Language and Vocational School, the sale price still required significant fundraising. We'll get back to this story about the Mission Language and Vocational School in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. The San Francisco Public Press and KSFP rely on support from readers and listeners like you. That's why we're excited to participate in Newsmatch, a national collaboration of journalism funders. Newsmatch will double donations from individuals to the public press through the end of the year. Your pledge will support independent, diverse local perspectives and investigative reporting. Visit sfpublicpress.org donate. This is KSFP LP San Francisco. Welcome back to Civic. Let's continue the story of how the Mission Language and Vocational School ended up taking back part of a building it had previously sold. It started with bringing in additional people and groups to figure out its next steps. State Assembly member David Chu was brought in as a mediator. Community members who had opposed the sale joined the school's board of directors. Tracy Brown-Gallardo is one of them, currently serving as the board chair. 
She found herself working hard to clean up the messes previous school leaders had left behind. There was a moment where I found out we did not um, pay for our 501c renewal. And um, I found that out. And so I had to go to the state and fill out paperwork. And they put us in revival mode. And I had to get all the paperwork in. And I thought, oh, my God. This means that technically, if we don't renew this, we will be out of business. And I swear the people from the state were so nice. They rushed my stuff through. If I did not have that one year off, I just don't know how it would have happened. I really don't. So definitely grateful for my family because they're like, I thought you were off this year on sabbatical, Mom. You can't pick up my kids. You can't do anything. You're working more from morning to night. And it was just nonstop. The most rewarding work I think that I've done, at, you know, in retrospect. And also the hardest. I had to learn about the attorney general and the state and all this other stuff in addition to real estate and buying back the building. So it has definitely kept me up many of nights where I thought I would be a failure to my community and I am just, I called people, like I said, in my, in, in, you know, the announcements and the thank yous is I was able to call on people to just vent and get the support I needed. And there were so many people that were just willing to help and navigate, help me navigate, step up with money, with loans, with anything that, that, that the school needed. But there were definitely those times when I was not sure I was going to make payroll. And as the board president, it's almost like I can't not pay my staff. Um, I think once I assumed the role of the board presidency, um, within three to four months, there was never a time that we did not make payroll. Um, so that was a huge celebration. From what I heard, there were times when people were not paid before, which I cannot understand how that happened but it did um, of course the city's really late in paying contracts back for reimbursements so it it was it, it was definitely those things that kept me up um, and losing sleep and just staff not knowing what was going to happen and wanting to leave because they didn't know if the program was going to succeed and they were scared about um what would happen to them but I would have to say that this staff is super committed super dedicated to this community and they have really stuck it in here with us for the long run and I'm so grateful to them um, our chef Alex Zavaleta she's amazing she has been with me all night some nights trying to figure out how we were gonna make things happen um, we catered when we didn't have enough money and were able to make payroll and we have done the most out-of-the-box things to, to survive the legal dispute carried on district 9 supervisor Hillary Ronan remembers feeling like things would not work out for the school there was a, a dark point in this whole process where it looked like everything was gonna fall apart and I was saying to myself we cannot lose this historic building for the Latino community in the Mission District, but I have no idea how we're going to get out of this or how we're going to save it. And it was really scary. I didn't, I didn't see a path forward. And I, I was kind of just at a shock and a standstill. And through the sheer will and persistence and um, unwillingness to give up, 
Myrna Malgar, Luis Granado, Sam Ruiz, and Tracy Brown, with the help of Victor Marquez, found a way forward. And I, I'm going to be forever grateful to them for, for that. MLVS is a very important uh, organization. They, tr they do job training uh, for uh, immigrant communities, not exclusively, but large parts. So they're culturally and linguistically um, uh, accessible trainings for the Latino immigrant community. But it's the history of this building. It used to house the Central Obrero Latino. And so it was one of the, as, as Mayor Bree explained, it was one of the uh, few places that existed that was sort of a center of organizing and of socializing and a safe space for the immigrant community, Latinx community in the Mission District, um, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And it uh, was a center of uh, the labor movement and of um, getting Latino immigrant workers involved in organized labor. Uh, the, the, the amount of organizations that were born in this building um, is it, it, too numerous to count. I mean, it's just part and parcel of the Latinx history in the Mission District. So to lose a community asset like this would have been devastating. And this community has been so under siege for so long. So, you know, over 10,000 Latino residents uh, displaced from the Mission District. This just would have felt like sort of the last stand. And it was so legally complicated and, the, and it was tied up in the courts. So it wasn't in the hands of politicians or the city or the community that it, I, that it felt like we didn't have the power to save it. And I'm telling you, it was half miracle, half the incredible leadership and persistence of the leaders of this community that, that, that we're here today. The school needed to raise money to make an offer to buy part of the building back. The path to getting that money involved forming a consortium with three other neighborhood organizations. My name is Mirna Melgar and I'm the executive director of the Jamestown Community Center. Jamestown focuses on youth development. It's one of the organizations that became part of the consortium. So uh, I tell you how I got involved is that there was um, a lot of community activism around it. There was all these emails going around, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, you know. And so, but nobody was actually doing anything. So I went to, I reached out to Luis Granados um, and they were starting this community real estate department at MEDA. And I said, we've got to do something. So we can't just like, you know, activism only goes so far in protesting. We actually have to like get the money and, you know, buy them out. And so um, at about the same time, Jamestown was looking for a home because we were being displaced from where we were on 26th Street. Um, and Tracy and I met with a mayor. And I was looking at a different site, you know, across from Cesar Chavez. And the mayor said to me, Mirna, what are you doing? You know, you should just move in to that building and then I'll give you the money and we can save it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's what we did. So we moved in here. Jamestown moved to this building despite knowing that we could be evicted if the lawsuit went through. And we did that, you know, out of solidarity uh, and because you know, I really thought we could do it with the mayor's commitment. And the city did pitch in money. An initiative of the mayor's office called the Nonprofit Sustainability Initiative granted the consortium $1 million. Why? Here's what Mayor London Breed had to say. First of all, there's nothing like having a place in your community to call home. 
When I grew up in the Western Edition, the African American Art and Culture Complex and Ellie Hill Hutch Community Center, those were the places that were safe where we had an opportunity to be a part of some amazing programs. And MLVS has been that community space for over 40 years right here in the mission. Started with the help of my mother's union, Local 261, and the laborers and the work that they have done to open the doors of opportunities for people who need a place to go to feel safe, to feel secure, to develop the skills, to learn the language, to do so many amazing things, but most important, to have a community. This place represents so much, not only to this community, but to this city. And so it wasn't even a question as to whether or not we needed to make sure that we provided the necessary money to help secure this facility. It wasn't even a question with any member of the Board of Supervisors. It wasn't even a question with the officials who work for the city. It was really about what the community wanted and deserved to have in this neighborhood. I also asked Joaquin Torres from the Mayor's Office of Economic and Workforce Development about the city's investment. So in addition to the million dollars, it was a lot of people who not only um, uh, gave their heart and souls uh, to this community effort, um, but were also ready to respond to a group of community organizations, as you heard mentioned here, uh, that put so much time uh, and effort and their own resources into making this um, position a reality that the city could invest in. Without them taking the lead and coming to us and to the mayor directly about saying that this is an opportunity you should invest in, and specifically in the mission, we could not have made this possible without their leadership. That's Mission Language Vocational School, that's Jamestown, that's Mission Neighborhood Centers, and that's and that's META. Um, uh, and that really is what gave us the bump, right, uh, to make this experience uh, happen. It's, it's, it solidifies uh, a huge community asset here in the mission. Um, providing vital resources across a variety of organizations and it really is a huge community win that this building is now back in the mission's hands. When you first, when did the mayor's office first hear about this situation? Um, well we have known about it uh, in our roles both formally and informally uh, for years in terms of since the lawsuit began back in 2016, um, around uh, almost immediately after the mayor uh, was in office, uh, the consortium and Mission Language Vocational School came together uh, and asked to have a sit down with her to find out how she could uh, she could support uh, their interests, and, and we were able to do so through the nonprofit sustainability initiative within our office of Economic and Workforce Development. Is a million dollars a lot, a little? Um, what will that enable MLVS to do? I mean, that enabled them to close a deal to buy the building. Um, uh, and so that million dollars was a substantial investment. Of course, we would love to have more, but this is part of million dollar investments that help support nonprofit acquisition, and that's what happened here. That's a particularly sore point for Saul Griffith, the former tenant to whom the school had sold part of the building, and who says he lost money on the deal. He told me, quote, It seems like an enormous insult that my tax dollars bought my own building away from me. Tracy Brown from the Vocational Schools Board says the school will be paying off the building and the $700,000 awarded to Griffith in damages for a long time, but that the outcome will allow the school to continue its work.
We were able to put together the money and the resources to get a loan and all of us had to sign on to this loan to buy back the building and it included MLVS um, agreeing to pay $700,000 in damages so that this could even move forward. That was steep for us. It will hurt us for years to come. We will be fundraising for many years um, to, to try to gain back, but we are in a good place. Our books are our, our books are balanced um, and we are recovering from that and we have a way to pay it we've invited Jamestown Community Center they're in our building we have five keys all of those programs pay us rent this is going towards the 700,000 that we have to pay back and also the programs um, the other one is Roadmap to Peace they all serve kids between the ages of like 14 and 30 and so it's just really a good fit um, really the vision now is that this building will serve that population and their families for many years to come and so all of the people who have invested in being here are helping to make sure that this building is sustained for many years to come and that that loan is paid off. I lost a lot of sleep over it. I didn't know how we were going to do it. I, 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 you know, I just knew that I was invest. I was put here by community to advocate for what was best for community, and I knew that I could not make take any risk at losing the building. And so ultimately, that's why we agreed to settle with such high damages and a high and really a higher price than what they paid for the building a year before we bought it back from them because um, they paid us $3 million and we ended up paying them the other amount. So, you know, it, like I said, there are no winners and no losers in this. Um, I feel that MLVS loses, Huckleberry loses, community wins, and community gets their building and programs and spaces. And I think in the end, Huckleberry friends, if they are part of the community, which they are, they operate a block away from us, that they know deep down inside in their hearts that um, to be part of this community, you have to kind of make some sacrifices, and I think we all made sacrifices for this to happen. At the end of the day, although we'll be paying off the damaged cost of the lawsuit for a long time, I think it's what's best for the community. It is back in the hands of community. We can, the leadership can continue in the legacy work of Rosario Anaya, and that is to serve the Latino community, help them become self-sufficient, help our students, our English language learners. And so I'm hopeful today is a bright day, it is a new day, and it is a chance for us to move forward in the leadership, in the vision that we want to move forward with. And we have great programs here, medical assistant um, program and uh, culinary program. Both are accredited uh, through the BBC. Um, full accreditation means that our students can get jobs right away. Um, and a lot of our students have been very successful. We have a strong partnership with Kaiser. They hire a lot of our students. When they heard of our crisis, they came in with a $500,000 donation to help us buy into um, 
re the regaining of our, our building, so the building expansion for our program, and to kind of update some of the supplies that we use for our students and bring it to industry standards. So we're very thankful and humbled by their donation. Um, I'm super excited today. It was the longest, hardest job I worked for free, <laughs> and it is just, I'm, I'm just so thrilled at the outcome. Um, we will be able, because of this, to serve the mission for many more decades to come and produce many more clients from the mission that will go out and change the world, and that's what we're all about. We're about changing the world, making it a better place one person at a time. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press, sfpublicpress.org. Your host is Laura Wenis, producer and contributor Mel Baker. The publisher of the San Francisco Public Press is Lila LaHood, executive director Michael Stoll, interim managing editor Noah Arroyo, Director of Membership and Community, Daphne Magnawa. Civic is aired on KSFP LP, San Francisco, a low-power FM radio station at 102.5 FM. Thanks for listening.